Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Before we get into the, the word this morning, I wanted to, to share with you a couple of the things that, that are on my heart and a couple of things that, that I'm really excited about. I have people ask me all the time, what's going on with Avondale Baptist Church down in New Orleans? Well, for the longest, not much, because we were waiting on the city of New Orleans to give us a permit. We, I applied for a permit several weeks ago, basically on our first trip down there. And then the pastor applied for a permit. Then a church member applied for a permit. Then a deacon applied for a permit. All the same permit, just trying to get more information to them. And finally, they got a, a civil engineer and an architect from the church to to submit a permit. So guess what? They still rejected our permit. <laughs> so we were thinking, okay, Lord, uh, we got all this material ready. We got a team ready to go. They've been ready for a couple of weeks now and got a trip up, cancel the trip, got a trip up, cancel the trip. And we, Am I doing that, Gil? I don't think so. There we go. I'll take my hands off there. Maybe that'll help. Um, so we canceled the trip, and we said, okay, Lord, what would you have us do? And we kept praying and, and thinking, well, maybe we just don't need to put a roof on that building. Of course, we knew that wasn't the case. Well, let me tell you, last night, Pastor Mark Daniels texted me and said, praise the Lord, we have a permit. So I think that's worth celebrating this morning. Yes. <laughs> we, when we first went to Avondale, we determined that the church building had lost its roof and the annex building had a roof with a big hole in the middle of it, which basically flooded the building and several other things. And I felt like we could help with the annex building. It was a smaller building, and we, we thought we could put a tin roof on it and help the church out. And the church was excited about that. But it's taken several weeks, but now we have a permit, and hopefully God will allow us to get down there and put that roof on. There's one side note that I want to share with you about this whole process. When we began thinking about what God would have us do beyond taking goods down and supplies and, and helping the folks that way, we began to pray and say, Lord, show us what we can do, what we have the manpower to do, what we have the ability to do, what we have the finances to do. And the Lord said right away, we need to, we need to fix that roof and repair some of the sheetrock in the building. I said, well, Lord, that's going to cost a lot of money. I was thinking to myself as I was driving back from down there, and let me tell you how God works. Without even knowing how much it was going to cost, God was already putting that on your heart. And by the time we got back and determined a cost, you had already given twice that much money. So you provided the funds to pay for that, that roof, and you provided the funds to, to fix the sheetrock in that building. And uh, if God is willing and allows us, we'll get that building up and running, and they'll be able to have worship inside that facility until they get their, their regular building, their regular church uh, fixed up. It's going to cost a lot of money, and there's some folks who are talking with the pastor, Mark Daniels, about helping him with that, and we'll see where, where God moves in that area. But thank you, Flora. Thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you for giving to that. Thank you for giving to Market Lackey. Being the new guy on the block, I didn't know what kind of goal to set, so I set last year's goal, and by the way, you've already exceeded that. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, all that money goes to many, many worthy causes, as Gil has said, and we have uh, throughout the rest of the month to give to that, so if you haven't had a chance to, to give to the Margaret Lackey offering, please do so. One other thing that I'm really excited about is the 30 days of prayer. 
We're going to begin that on November the 1st, and it'll be a prayer guide that each of us will have uh, that we can take home and, and pray through each day. And as we begin to think about where the Lord would have us go as a church and what the Lord would have us do with a new facility and our life groups and our worship services and, and what all of that will look like, we felt it was there was no better place to start than to begin to pray about that and see what God would have us do. So you as a church will be joining us as a staff and, and other leaders in, in our congregation to pray and, and ask God for, for direction and, and wisdom and guidance. I'm excited about the possibility of, of a new worship center, a worship center that, that will hold everybody at one time and allow us to worship two different ways, of course, but not be cramped or crowded and provide for additional space for when this sweet little community continues to grow. And we know that God is going to continue to grow this community and grow our church. So we're going to pray about that. We're going to pray about our, our preschool ministry, our children's ministries. We're going to pray about our youth ministry and our college ministry and our adult ministries and, of course, our worship ministries and what God would have us do in all those areas. So be looking for that. You'll hear a bunch more about it in the next few days. It's just a couple of weeks away. I'm very excited about how God's going to move and direct us and show us and give us wisdom and guidance as we think about what we're going to do in the years to come. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the first few verses there. Luke 15, 1 through 7, and we'll jump into that in just a second. As we begin our time together this morning, I want to, to take a look at some of the people that Jesus spent a lot of his time with. Some of the folks that Jesus ministered to and some of the folks that Jesus helped along with their life and and the things that they were struggling with in their life. In many places in the Bible, we see that Jesus focused a lot of his attention on the poor and the needy folks, the folks who were sick or the folks who were hurting, or the folks who really, really needed a touch from Jesus of some kind. We know that Jesus loves all people, and that he loves people regardless of where they're at, even sinners. And Jesus did spend a lot of his time with sinners and outcasts. Yesterday at our food pantry distribution, we got to meet a, a lot of folks. As I said, being the new guy around here, pretty much everybody's new to me, and I'm still learning names and getting to know people. The folks who come through the, the food distribution once a month are all new to me. Well, yesterday was the time when we recertify all those folks. Once a year, we recertify folks, get new information on them, find out about their families and where they're at. As they came through, they began to, to talk to us about their situation in their homes. Most of the people that come through are on fixed income. Uh, I can tell you most of them are not, uh, not wealthy. <laughs> They're very poor. And the ministry that this church offers to them is so needed, and they're so thankful for that, and it's such a blessing to them. And a lot of people actually live on just a few hundred dollars a, a month, and that really surprised me that they're, a, that they're able to make ends meet, uh, even with such little funds. One thing that I heard again and again yesterday and that I've heard many years in doing benevolence ministry is the deep love for the Lord Jesus that those people have and had. Through the years, I've been blessed to do benevolence ministry, maybe 22, 23 years now, and I've seen all kinds of folks and worked with some wonderful people and got to make some wonderful friends through the years and 
pretty much without exception, the, the folks who come through those ministries are, are definitely needy people. They're poor folks, and they, they really need a touch from Jesus. Uh, again and again yesterday, we heard those people tell us how much it meant to them that this church cared for them, even with just a simple bag of groceries or some frozen meat. And that, that's such a wonderful ministry for our church to, to think about and to look at and see where God would have us go with that. And, and that's one of the things we'll be praying about. I love to hear people tell me that even though they don't have many worldly goods, they've got all they need. The song kind of goes along with that, doesn't it? We have all we need when we have Christ. And they have Christ in their heart. And you can tell it by their joyful spirit. And I'm so thankful for that. Also, this past Thursday, I, I had an opportunity to go to uh, the Wingard house. A group of men from our church went there to do some construction. And I, I really wasn't familiar with the Wingard house, except that I had heard they, they do homeless work. Well, got to know a little bit more about the Wingard house. They serve homeless families in uh, the city of Jackson. Now, a lot of shelters separate the men from the women, and they really won't even accept children because they don't, they're not set up to do that. But the Wingard House is, and I, I was so blessed to see the ministry they have and the way that they take care of people and love on people, especially those who are downtrodden and, and without a place to live for whatever reason that may be, and I'm thankful for that ministry too. I said these two for a reason. When we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we see this kind of ministry all throughout the scriptures. Jesus sought out, he looked for, he seeked those people who were in need. He seeked people who were downtrodden. He seeked people who were sinners. He seeked people who society had put a label on, whatever that label may be. Jesus loved them regardless. When we look at our text today, Luke 15, we're going to see that as Jesus began to, to share this parable, there were some folks there listening in to see what Jesus had to say. Let's look at Luke 15, 1 through 7. If you'd like to stand, please, in honor of God's word, please do so. Luke 15, 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when, he finds it, when it is found, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost." I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just folks who need no repentance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your teachings, Father, and for what we can learn today from your word. I just pray that you would speak to us and through your scriptures, Father. And I pray that uh, you would use the words you've given me to, uh, to help us understand how much you love us and how much you care for us. And Father, how much you want to care for other people, Father. Just give us wisdom today to understand. In Jesus I pray, amen. When we look at the gospel of, of Luke, we see that Luke often connected Jesus with people who were sinners, people who were needy. In fact, Luke spent a lot of his time talking about the needs of people and how Jesus could minister to those. He said Jesus spent time with sinners by having a meal with them. 
I have to tell you, I, I don't typically go out of my way to have meals with sinners. In fact, I don't know a lot of sinners. I'm sure there are many in the world, but I don't know a bunch of them. And, and the reason being, being a minister of the gospel, I spend a lot of time around church folks, around Christian folks. Now, that's not a good thing. As, as a minister and as Christians, we need to be out and about sharing the love of Christ with those who are lost. But Jesus intentionally went out of his way to spend time with sinners and those who needed him. He hung out with them for a good reason. Now, he didn't hang out with them because they were the fun party group. He hung out with them because they needed a Savior. He knew they needed to repent and turn from their sins and trust him as their Savior. You know, Jesus often received criticism for what he did. In fact, at the beginning of our text, we see that there were some guys there, some scribes and Pharisees. And what were they doing? They were talking about Jesus. They were saying, look at this guy. He's hanging out with sinners and he's eating with them. But Jesus saw that as a great opportunity to help them understand what he was truly all about. Jesus also, in the book of Luke, had a couple of other examples where he used these opportunities where people criticized him to help them see what he was really all about. You remember in Luke chapter 5, Jesus called Matthew. He said, Matthew, stop that sinful thing you're doing by stealing money from people. Come and follow me. Of course, we know that Matthew did just that. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus was invited to dine with a Pharisee. And while he was there, a harlot came in and began to love on Jesus, and wash his feet with her tears and her hair. The Pharisee rebuked Jesus, but Jesus says, no, she needs my love just as much as you do. Of course, our text talks about the lost sheep. And then the story of Zacchaeus, you're very familiar with that one where Jesus told him to come down, I'm going to go to your house. And Zacchaeus did just that. Not only did he do that, but he turned from his sins and he repaid what he had taken away from other people. Our text here tells us that there were also tax collectors and sinners drawing near to Jesus. So you had the religious folks on one side, you had the tax collectors and the sinners on the other. I often wonder why the sinful people were attracted to Jesus. Well, I think you and I probably know the answer if we give it a little thought. It's because he loved them, and they knew that. He didn't look down on them. He didn't disrespect them. He didn't scold them for their sins, but he loved them, and he tried to help them see that he loved them and he cared for them, and he desired that they repent and turn from their, sin, from their sins. Here Jesus is telling us and telling the world that the kingdom of God is acceptable to all people doesn't matter how much you've sinned or how far you strayed away from God. He still loves you, and he wants you to come back. In the Scripture, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. You know, the shepherd loves to, to take care of his sheep. He loves to watch after them, to feed them, and to lead them to, to water and to grass and, and to protect them from dangers. And even in our passage today, Jesus is helping us see that when the sheep becomes lost... The shepherd seeks the sheep. I have a, a funny story that I, I'd like to share with you that goes kind of goes along with this. Back in the day, I was uh, a youth pastor at, at Woodville Heights Baptist Church. And uh, Brother Gill, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I think even before I, well, a little, little after I got to know Brother Gill. One of the things we did at the church was have an annual uh, live nativity scene. We started that at, at Woodville Heights and for some reason or another, one of the Muskelly boys came through that live nativity scene one weekend, and they saw what we were doing. So they said, next year, next Christmas, 
We want you to bring your live nativity scene out to Muskelly at Airport Road and Highway 80 and set up and, and let people drive through. Well, being the, the young, naive, and I, yes, I'll say dumb, youth pastor that I was, I said, sure, we'll do that. Really didn't think about what that entailed or what was involved, but I knew that we need to step up our game for Muskelly and Highway 80 and the folks in Pearl and the Brandon area. So instead of just having a donkey and some folks dressed up like animals, I said, we're going we're gonna to get some animals. So one of the things that we wanted were some sheep. Of course, I don't have any sheep. I really don't know anybody that had sheep, but I thought that would be a really cool thing to have. So we searched around and found a, a person who had some prize-winning, blue-ribbon-winning sheep down in New Hebron, Mississippi. Crazy thing, I called him up and said, hey, I'm Pastor Mark at so-and-so church, and we want to do a live nativity. I know you got some very expensive, uh, very precious sheep. Can I borrow them? And believe it or not, he said, yeah, sure. So we went down there, loaded up four or five sheep, brought them back, put them in the nativity scene. He said, I want to tell you one thing. Now, if something should happen and the sheep get out, all you got to do is call them by name. They'll hear your voice, and they'll come running. Well, we had some mischievous youth in our youth group that year, and a couple of them thought it would be fun to let those sheep out over there on Highway 80 and Airport Road and let them run around and see what would happen. And they did. In the middle of the event, they let them go. And I was freaking out, and I, was, I could just see one of those sheep run out there in the highway and get hit, and then I didn't know what I was going to do. I guess I'd, I'd go to Mexico or somewhere. I don't know. But uh, I remembered that that uh, the guy said, just call their names, and he had given me their names, so we began calling real loud, all of us the same names, and wouldn't you know it, one of them listened and perked up, and before long they were all coming back, and we got them back in the stable and got that gate locked, and I tied a triple knot on it so that hopefully nobody would, would do that again. As I thought about that event and thought about it again uh, today as I was getting ready to prepare, I, I thought about the sheep that get lost, especially the ones that we talked about today. You know, the sheep know the shepherd's voice, don't they? You and I know Jesus' voice, Jesus' name, and his call upon our heart and our lives. And when we follow him, things are good. But when we wander away, we tend to get in trouble, don't we? In fact, we can wander so far away that we can turn our back on God and walk away. And that happens to some folks in our lives. And sometimes it, it causes us to, to think that there's no way that, that we can get back. But the one lost sheep that we read about in, in Luke 15, you know what? That broke the shepherd's heart that that one sheep was lost. He knew that it was out there probably in danger. It could get hurt. Something could happen to it. It could fall off a cliff or be eaten by a lion or a bear or, or some other animal. So the shepherd said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to sit here and just hope it will return. I'm going to go looking for it. I'm going to go seeking it. Isn't that a wonderful picture of how Jesus is for us? He seeks us. He pursues us. He loves us. And he wants to draw us back to him. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners. In Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It also tells us in 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Yesterday at, at Food Pantry there was a, a young man that came through with a carload of his friends and they were from the, uh, the trailer park here in Florida. Uh, I always try to share the gospel with folks who come through, and two of the folks assured me that they had grown up in a church. One of them's daddy was a, granddaddy was a pastor, and they knew the gospel, and they knew the right answers. We came back out, and the, the other guy who was driving, I said, tell me your name, he told me, and I said, let me ask you a question. 
you ever felt like uh, if something happened to you that, that you may not be able to spend eternity with God? And he said, yeah, I think about that all the time. I said, well, do you think you would? He said, no, I don't. And I said, why is it? He said, because I strayed so far away from God. I've gotten so far away from God that he never loved me and let me come back. I had a chance to go ahead and share the gospel with him and pray with him. And he prayed to receive Christ yesterday. And I pray that he will come be a part of our church family. But again, it reminded me that, that there's so many hurting people out there that need to know that God loves them. And a simple sharing of the scripture or sharing our testimony or sharing one of those wonderful bracelets that Brother John has for us to give out and use are great tools that we can use to, to, to share the gospel. In this parable, we're seeing that Jesus is telling us that we all need to repent and that we all need a Savior. I'm so thankful that we have a Savior who loves us and who pursues us. Aren't you? The Pharisees said that he welcomed sinners and eats with them. And the sinners flocked to Jesus. And they did that because they knew that he offered mercy and grace, that he loved them and that he cared for them. We see this mercy and grace when we see how the shepherd searches for that lost sheep and how he eventually finds it. And then he rejoices and he celebrates over that. I need that same kind of mercy and grace in my own life. I read an article this week that kind of focuses on all that we've been talking about today. The, the title of the article was, Who Did Jesus Hang Out With? And that's kind of a, a loose term about Jesus' ministry and what he did, but it, the title caught my attention so I began to read through the article and of course the, the focus of the article was the fact that Jesus hung out with sinners in the outcast and that he loved them, that he cared for them, that he sought to, to bring them to salvation. I always look to see the good in folks in my own life. Um, sometimes it's, it's easy to judge people based on things they do or things they say or the way they look or the way they behave. Um, I could have missed an opportunity yesterday to, to ask that young man about his walk with Christ because I'd already asked the other two folks and kind of thought, well, maybe they're all in the same boat, same car, they had the same walk with Christ, but that wasn't the case. I'm thankful that Christ doesn't look the other way on us or give up on us, that he continues to pursue us. There's another passage of Scripture I want to look at that talks about some of the folks that Jesus hung out with. We're not going to read it, but I'll, I'll talk to you about it. It's John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. This is the story of the, the woman who was caught in adultery. You know the story. Jesus was teaching, and before long, the scribes and Pharisees, uh, same guys that were at the other parable, same guys that were trying to trick Jesus, well, they brought a lady in, and they said, Teacher, we've caught this woman in adultery. What are you going to do about it? They said, The law of Moses says that she's to be stoned, that she's to be put to death. Well, I can't imagine the fear that that woman must have had standing there before these men who probably had stones already in their hand, ready to cast them at her. When Jesus was there also, and, and probably the whole crowd was against her, but there was one person that was on her side. Jesus stood there and he listened to the accusations, and the Bible tells us that he stooped down and he began to, to draw in the, in the sand or on the ground. You ever wonder what Jesus was drawing on the sand or in the ground when he was standing there? Eventually he stood up and he said to them, Which one of you is without sin? Go ahead, cast the first stone. Well, the Bible tells us that they began slowly 
to drop their stones and to walk away. The older folks first and then the younger. And eventually Jesus had, was back kneeling down. He looked back up and he saw there was no one there. And he, he said to the woman, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. He said to her, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. There was a great opportunity here for Jesus to do a number of things. But most of them would have been contrary to what we know about Jesus, that he has mercy and love and grace. Now, he doesn't tolerate sin, nor does he condone it. In fact, he told her, go and sin no more. And that's exactly what she did. Jesus hung out with the outcasts because he was wanting to create a model of what our church should look like. I've been a Southern Baptist guy all my life, and most churches that I've gone to or served with or been a part of uh, contain members that are very much like me, Christian folks who love the Lord, who, who read God's Word, who attend church and faithfully give and support the church and the pastor and those kind of things. But I think if Jesus were here, the church that he would be over might look a little different, mightn't it? He would probably focus a whole lot more on the folks who are outside of the four walls than the folks who are inside of it. I bet he would spend a lot more time with folks who, in our society, we might consider not worthy of being saved or talked to or preached to. But when we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we see that that's not who he was. He was all about seeking the crippled and the downtrodden and those who were hurting, those who needed to know that they were lost, they were certainly lonely and separated, and that they needed a Savior. And that's what Jesus was all about. You know, Jesus even surrounded himself with a bunch of ragtag sinners, his disciples, right? I mean, they were all over the place in, who, in their walk with Christ, probably not even understanding a whole lot about who Jesus was. But when he called, they obeyed. They stopped what they were doing and they followed him. So if Jesus can take a bunch of fishermen and a bunch of sinners and tax collectors and, and turn them into disciples who eventually rocked the world after Jesus was gone... Just imagine what he can do with you and I and the folks that we know, especially the folks we know who are outside, outside of these four walls. You see, society seeks to put people in stereotypes, black, white, rich, poor, young, old, worthy, unworthy. Jesus, however, saw each individual's need instead of who they were labeled to be by society. Even when Jesus taught the masses of people, he took time to stop and meet the needs of individual folks, especially those who were hurting. There's another account of Jesus hanging out with some folks that you and I probably wouldn't think he should hang out with. It's found in John 41. Excuse me, John 4, 1 through 42. It's the account of the woman at the well. You know that Jesus and the disciples actually went out of their way to go to this city where the, the Samaritan woman was drawing water at the well. Jesus sat down at the well while the disciples went into town to get some food. This woman showed up and he said to her, Woman, would you please draw some water for me? She, being a Samaritan, knew that Jews, Jesus didn't talk to Samaritan people. She was kind of shocked that Jesus would even acknowledge that she was there. He told her to, to draw some water and she said, Well, you don't have a bucket or anything. He said, Well, the water I have to offer will cause you to never thirst again. And he began to tell her that he loved her and that he cared for her and that he wanted to minister to her. Eventually, she understood his love. You know, there's one thing interesting about this woman. She was very much a sinner. She was an adulteress. She had many husbands, and the guy she was currently with wasn't even her husband. 
Did Jesus let that deter his desire to help her? Of course not. He saw a needy person, and he loved her, and he, he tried to help her. When he finished speaking to the lady, he even hung around two more days and went back into town with her and met some of her friends and met some of her family and tried to minister with her and to her. Jesus modeled this same redemptive vision when he met Matthew, as we talked about a little earlier. Come and follow me, Matthew, and he did just that. You know, his choice of company upset a lot of folks. Uh, leaders of Jesus' time actually hated Jesus, and they were always seeking ways to trick him and to, to get him in trouble and to, to cause him to, to fail in his ministry. But Jesus gave them uh, another notable teaching that they need to be reminded of. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. Jesus said, I want to show you mercy. And he said, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's found in Matthew chapter 9. All throughout history, uh, history records the fact that we tend to get nervous and uh, kind of shy away from folks who are different from us, people who look different from us, people who act differently than us, people who we may think aren't worthy of being a Christian. But Jesus went to great lengths to go out of his way to help people, especially those who were in need and those who were hurting. There's a great commandment that Jesus gives us that really wraps all this up in a very simple passage. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then you must love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the prophets demand this. And they're based on these two commandments. Most religious leaders during Jesus' day knew this passage and they agreed with it. They just didn't like the way that Jesus carried it out. The way that he went beyond their crowd to minister to the folks who were really needy. There was another religious leader that wanted Jesus to justify his beliefs. I love this story, and in fact, it's one of my favorite parables that Jesus used. It's a, the parable of the Good Samaritan. I think one of the reasons I love this is because I see myself in one of the characters too many times, to be honest with you. You know the story. The guy had, was going down, and he'd been beaten and robbed and left laying dead beside the road. And along came two men, a priest and a, a church worker. Not a priest, but I am a church worker. Been been most of my life. These men not only went by this man, but they went to the other side of the road so that they can go by this man and went on their way, and they didn't have time to stop and help him. A third man, a Samaritan, again, those who were hated during Jesus' day, and he was also an outcast, and he was considered a sinner, stopped what he was doing. He bandaged the guy, put him on his coat, and took him to the inn and paid for all that needed to be taken care of for him so he could be taken care of. The fear that led the priest and the temple assistant to ignore the beaten man is still prevalent today. As I said earlier, it's real easy for us to become fearful and, and afraid of things that are going on around us. But the story shows us that anyone can be our neighbor. Anybody that's in need can be our neighbor. The folks who came through the food pantry line yesterday can be our neighbor. The, the folks down at Wingard who are ministering to the homeless folks, they're our neighbors. And we are called to, to love our neighbors, right? We just read that. Love others as you love yourself. That's exactly what Jesus told us. That is exactly what he demonstrated. 
I am so thankful that we have a Savior who not only taught it, but He showed it. He walked the walk, didn't He? Whatever He told us to do, He went out there and did it. And He showed us how we too can do the very same thing. As I wrap up today, I want to, to talk about a, a couple of uh, folks that I've encountered the past few weeks. When we were trying to secure that permit for Avondale, we made several phone calls. And on the first day I called, I, I told the lady at the permit office that uh, we were trying to put a roof on the church and we really needed a permit. Is there anything you can do to help us? Long story, she said, well, yeah, do this, this, and this, and, and we'll try to get your application going. At the end of our conversation, she said, can I ask you a question? This lady did, and I said, well, sure. She said, your church group. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, y'all do this kind of stuff all the time? I said, as much as God will allow us, not as much as we'd like, but yeah, we, we do as much as we can. She said, well, the hurricane also took my roof off. I was wondering if you'd come and look at it. Really long story short, I, I did get to go and meet with this young lady and found out that her son had just been killed and her husband had died earlier this year and uh, she was really at her, her wit's end. She, she had no desire to live, to be honest with you. She thought her house was in ruins, and she didn't know what was next. Now, we went down there to fix the, the roof on the church, but God put this lady in her path. And I thought, Lord, we can't do that. We, I'm not sure we can even do that, fix the roof on the church. As I drove home that night from New Orleans, uh, God began to speak to me. He said, I put you in the path of that lady for a reason. It's not by chance that you were there. So uh, we probably have another ministry that we're going to need to do in New Orleans. In fact, I know we do. We're going to try to help this lady with a roof. This past week, I, I took my father-in-law to the emergency room at St. D. And while we were there, waiting in the, in the emergency room for a couple hours, there was a guy standing at the counter. And all of a sudden, he just passed out. He hit the floor, bloop, real loud. And the emergency room was full of people. Everybody just kind of looked at each other and, and looked at the guy, and I know a lot of folks were thinking about COVID and what might be wrong with him and what should I or shouldn't I do, and pretty much everybody just sat there, and the guy was laying on the floor. I think he had a seizure of some kind and passed out, and eventually some nurses and, and other guys, and I tried to get up and help myself, went over and helped, helped him. And as I thought about that, I thought about how very much people in this world need to know that God loves them. And he wants us to show people in this world that he loves them. You know, Jesus isn't here right now, physically. But we are. We're his hands and we're his feet. And he calls us to, to love on people and to care for people in these ways. As I mentioned, there were a lot of folks at Food Pantry yesterday who have needs. And I'm thankful that we're able to, to do what we can to help those folks. You know, Jesus told us to go and, and to make disciples and, and to baptize folks and to love people and to care for people and to minister to their needs. This leads me to a question I want us to consider as we, as we finish up today. Are we really following the example that Jesus has given us, the example that Jesus set for us in his word? How many of you have had a chance in the last week or so, maybe a month, to, to talk to a sinner about their relationship with the Lord? Probably had an opportunity to do so. May or may not have taken advantage of it. I know I've had many opportunities that I have not taken advantage of. And I regret that. We never know what will happen to a person once they leave our sight. And we're held accountable for doing that. Maybe there are other people that you're aware of that Maybe like this lady in New Orleans, they need something physical. They need a roof or they need something within their home. 
I heard about a, a young lady who had a need with some clothes and I talked to our sweet uh, WMU lady and she took care of that for us. So there are needs all around us. We just need to be aware of those and try to minister to folks and help people. And I tell you, following Jesus isn't easy. It can get messy. Especially when you're dealing with the poor and the needy and the downcast and those who've been labeled by society. But Jesus calls us and tells us to go and to do. And you know what? He promises us. He promises us. He promises us. He'll never leave us and he'll go with us. And that's good enough for me to say, hey, let's do what we can. Let's do what we can. My challenge for you today is to think about the folks around you that need to know that God loves them, that God cares for them, that Jesus died for them on the cross. And as you have a chance, I would pray that you would, would share Christ with them and that you would let them know that, that no matter where they're at in their walk with Christ, even if they've turned their back on God, it's not too late. Just like the guy yesterday who felt there was no way God could love him. But God spoke to his heart and the Holy Spirit convicted him and drew him back. And I pray that, that he'll be a part of our church at some point today and we can love on him and minister to him. Maybe you're here today also and, and you're not sure about what we're talking about when we, we talk about Jesus and his love for us and, and the relationship that we have with him and the call that he's placed on our life. As I said earlier, the Bible tells us that we're all sinners and we all deserve death and separation from God. But God loved us so much that he gave us Jesus. And all we have to do is place our faith and trust in him to be our Lord and Savior and we can be saved. If you're not a Christian today, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you and draw you to him. Maybe you have other prayer needs today. Maybe you just need to pray. Whatever God will have you do during this time of invitation, as we sing, I'm going to invite you to do that. Let me lead us in prayer as we move to our invitation. Father, I thank you for the words that you've given us today. I pray that, Father, we were able to share those in a way that uh, people can understand and, Father, seek them and, and apply them and, Father, make them a reality in their lives. Father, I thank you that you love us, that you care so very much for us, Father, and that you provide for us each and every day. Father, just continue to move and speak to our hearts today and, Father, just lead and guide us and direct us as you will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.